G'day and welcome to the Fly Fisher Podcast. Since 1967, we've been spreading the bug of fly fishing. Join us as we celebrate the fun of fly fishing and chat with characters that enjoy it as much as we do. Whether you're just starting out or have some experience, we hope our ego-free commentary helps demystify fly fishing and inspires you to visit new places and try new techniques. Welcome back to the Fly Fishers podcast. Today we're welcoming Carl Jones back onto the podcast, this time via the phone to talk Victorian brim fishing. Carl is the most experienced brim fly fisherman in Victoria and is Victoria's only specialist to brim fly fishing guide. Carl has fished from the shipwreck coast all the way to East Gippsland, targeting brim on fly both from the boat and on foot. Welcome, Carl. Thanks for having me back, guys. That's all right. It's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast, hear your beautiful voice. An expert like <laughs> your good self. Cheers. I don't know about the expert. But yeah. <laughs> um, are you the most experienced uh, brim on fly person in Victoria? No. No, I wouldn't. No, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm not. I just spend way too much time on the water, I would say. So, the people that yeah. do it are pretty quiet about it though, aren't they? They're not really big yeah. on themselves. No, and it's not like, uh, I mean, there's a bit of that perch mafia thing out there. I think the brim sort of, there's a bit of a brim mafia out there. You don't want, or some people don't want people to fish their areas. So I suppose a lot of people don't don't post it on social media that much, or if they do, but it, it, sometimes it's hard fishing. So You're a, bit, a little bit uh, like that, Max, aren't you? They're all looking at me, Carl. I don't know why. What is wrong with these people? I'll tell them where to go. Western Victoria. What more do you want? Yeah. Max has been fishing the Northern Territory for Brim. <laughs> they are everywhere, though, aren't they, the humble Brim? They are, actually, yeah. And that's, yep. that's what makes them so accessible, isn't it? Mm. Yep, yep, 100%. Um, what are some of your favourite locations to target them? Uh, no, no, yeah. no, that's not true. Shipwreck uh, Coast and East Gippsland. So uh, I grew up uh, fishing East Gippsland. We, my family had a uh, had a place in, in Ben River. So people call that the Brim Capital. So I grew up there as a young kid. I'd go there for the whole month of November every year. So I still... Still try to get back down there a lot, but uh, because I'm from Bacchus Marsh, you know, near Melbourne, Warnable's closer, and that's um, I really like fishing that whole coast where where Max would fish, you know, like along uh, you know, the Air River and things like that. It, and it, sometimes it's a tough fishery just due to uh, rainfall and, and rivers blowing out more than Gippsland. But but uh, yeah, I'd say the whole coastline from all of Victoria, Glenelg. Nelson, everyone fishes it. I like it. I fish it a lot. But uh, 72 k's of boatable water, sometimes it's hard to uh, – I wouldn't say it's hard to find a fish. It's hard to know when to stop and fish. You spend your whole time driving around because it all looks good. But I spend my time on the, the smaller estuaries because it's easy to find a place to fish, basically. What are you What are you looking for? What makes you turn off the ca- – you know, pull over and turn off the car and say, this is where I'm, I'm hopping out? Uh it depends on the time of year and water flow and dirty water. And just speaking before the before the podcast about dirty water, so I'm not that afraid of dirty water anymore. But um, rock ledges uh, and, and easy cast if I'm land based, so I don't want to be casting in the trees, obviously, uh, or or cliffs. But yeah, rock, rocky edges, places where where food would hide for the fish. So shrimp and if you're in deep sand, prawns and and things like that, sandworms, bashabies, crabs whatever it is, so likely spots, that's what I would look for. Um, but that differs from the shipwreck goes to East Gippsland, even even in Melbourne, like, uh, you know, the Maribyrnong things, like the, the food source changes, so I'm looking for different things depending where I am. Yeah, of course. Um, have you done a bit of that urban uh, brim-on-fly business? No. No, and I wish I did more. But I, I get asked that question a lot, like, where do I go, what do I do? I, I fished, I shouldn't say because it makes it sound bad, I fished the Maribyrnong once and I hooked a dead rat and I never went back. <laughs> so that, that, that's the only, only reason. So it's, you know, because I'm able to, you know, I'm lucky enough to be able to get some time off work or, or go away for work. I go to East Gippsland, there's lyrebirds walking around me. It's beautiful and I just walked away from 
you know, the suburb sort of style fishing. But in saying that, you definitely should do it because it's, it's in, it's, you know, it's in a lot of people's uh, back, back doors. So, so fish it because the fish are there, but I, I personally can't comment on it too much because I've, I've not fished it too much. Yeah, mate. Let's just talk a bit more about that to the, um, the less initiated on, on, on brim on a fly rod. Like, you know, for you, why target a brim on a fly rod? What is it that makes something special about them? Um, you know, like we're, we're blessed with such good trout fishing here. Why do you chase brim with a fly rod? Uh, I think, I'm not sure. I think the same reason I, I may have spoken about it on, on the podcast with Scotty. Um, the struggle, but when I when I was a kid, and like I said, I grew up fishing the river a lot, and my dad was a you know sandworm sort of crab under a float sort of fisherman. But I would see guys trying to catch them on lures. This was before squidgy plastics and things, and I thought it was impossible. And and when I started to turn over, when I was a bit old, you know, I don't know, fifteen, sixteen, I started to get them on lures. I thought, what? How can I step it up and and fly fishing? Brim at that stage, there was people doing it, Muzz Wilson and things, um, but it just seemed impossible to me, so I wanted to crack that code, and, and I spent a lot of years doing it, uh, or, or failing at it, before I started to crack some sort of a code. But I remember not, not that long ago, I, I suppose, well, I'm getting old now, it was probably six, seven years ago at Malakuta, I went there for 12 days with a boat and only fly tying gear and a fly rod, and I fished 12 days for three fish, for three brim. And that was because I, I was using the wrong flies, fishing the wrong areas. I just had to spend more time figuring it out. But, but I like the struggle. Yeah. When you, when you get when you get that one fish, it's uh, it's, it's worth a lot to and, me personally. So that's why I did it. It sounds like you've given it almost as much air time in your fishing as you have your trout fishing in a way. Well, definitely. Yeah, maybe maybe the same amount. Um, so yeah, I took up fly fishing ish when I was around 11 but we had the drought and the, the drought ruined the lakes and some back nice the lakes are close my I, you know I had to have dad drive me around then I didn't have a license when I was 11 like everyone else so I would go where he went when he didn't ever fish the streams or anything like that so so I went to salt instead like when the lakes dried out I went to salt so um, that's where the brim and estuary perch and sort of bass and flathead fishing took off for me because I didn't have trout to catch so now I try to half half it. If I get some time off, I, I leave the trout alone and go and go and hit the salt. Yeah, and and like in um, comparison to your trout, the behaviour of a brim is it quite similar? Are they sort of you know do they feed in a similar kind of way? And is that part of the attractiveness? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And that, and I think a lot of us overthink fly fishing in general. But uh, you know, uh, what flies to use? And there's only three flies to use. To, Brim will eat a lot of your trout flies, like a magoo and things like that. They definitely eat insects. So if we get, it might be a question in a minute, but what sort of flies, but definitely keep your trout box on you because I've fished in termite falls for estuary perch and brim, and they still eat that. So, mm. um, I, yeah, they are. They're definitely not like a trout, but you, you can you can hunt them like a trout, that's for sure. Yeah, and it sounds like they're a species that uh, will feed on whatever the most prevalent food is in the water at that point in time, even taking you know flies off the surface. I understand. Is that is that a bit of a feature yeah. of them as well? Yeah, definitely. So I do. I, I talk to a lot of people who fish the shipwreck coast, and they they you know BMSs and and crazy charlies and things. But when in the right time, I suppose when I started fly fishing down there a lot, I was using just being a bit of a wanker. Excuse me. French, I wanted to have a dry fly eat, so I was fishing poppers, and they still ate them. There's no shrimp there, but um, they eat. They want to eat something that's moving, I suppose, or if you get it in front of them in shallow water. So I liked fishing to them with poppers and and uh, and and dry flies, like yeah, like I was saying, cicada patterns and um, and termite patterns and things like that. And it's just visual fishing. That's that's what I like. But if you're in a numbers game, you probably would you'd, you'd fish a sinking fly, but I wanted, I wanted visuals, but they will eat. I believe, like a snapper, brimmer, they're pretty elite when they're feeding normally. You know, from crustaceans to insects, they eat it all. Yeah, um, and shrimp. You just touched on water depth there. What's your like? Depending on the time of year, of course. What's the best water depth to target brim in? Yeah, definitely, definitely time of year and 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 places. I suppose is involved there. I think the 
if you ate, well, it's pretty silly. We all get in a boat and cast at the shore. You're fishing from the shore, you cast out in the deep. It's, sort of, it's always been silly to me, but, but to work the edges, if you will. So if you are in a boat, cast in the shallows and work it down to the drop off. So depth, depth wise, isn't that important to me. You've just got to fish the whole water, the whole water column. Um, you think about the lure guys, they're out there with diving lures that don't get anywhere near the bottom, but fish are coming off the bottom to eat the lures. And I try to fish my flies like that these days. I fish, for, I, I brim fish a bit with Philip Wygon for years, and he catches fish, probably more fish than me. But he wants his brim, he wants his, sorry, his fly on the bottom. But I like to get my fly, I want to drift it through the whole water column to come across a fish. Um, if I'm fishing drop-offs, I like to, I don't want it in the rocks because I'll, I'll just be snagged up not under a fish. So I think brim will come up out of rocks and logs to eat your fly. Uh, much like a soft plastic or something like that. So perfect depth to me, and it sounds silly, but is in the water, any depth. It works, they try to work at all. How how much of your success when you're out there and you, you know, you're fishing the water column like that, how much of that comes down to matching a hatch or sort of having an idea about those areas uh, versus uh, more of like a reaction bite or something like that? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, like, here goes one it depends on the species so black brim I think if you can get a fly say you can go into Hopkins and it's 3 metres you're drifting 3.4 metres if you you're probably a lot of cast but if you get a fly down near the area you know 500 mil a metre off the bottom on the bottom you'll get one maybe a lot of cast but say Mullacuda um, you're fishing rock bars um, and you can see yellow fin brim in, in close. I think you have to fish fish to what they're eating. So they might be on small minnows or shrimp. So I'll, I'll try to uh, Im- imitate exactly what they're eating, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Are they a bit more discerning, the yellow fin brim? Do they respond better to more realistic fly patterns? Uh, more so. I want to say more spooky. Uh, I, I, they're like a, a midging trout, or a, yeah, they're like a midging trout. They're very spooky, um, clear water too, but they seem a bit. Yellowfin brim seem a bit. I don't want to say smarter because that's the wrong word to use. They're just they're just more spooky. So if you chuck a you know a a, uh, a bead chain in there, you know, with a three sixteenth and a plonk on the water, and there's thirty brim there, they're probably going to leave the area pretty quickly. So. An unweighted fly in that scenario would be would be perfect for me. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, then when we're talking about fishing that three point four meter mark and up, and fish a heavy fly to get down there. And so, as water clarity, how does that play into fly selection? Uh, I haven't figured that out a lot. In dirty water, I like to fish. Uh, like UV, you know, your chartreuses and things with all, you know, Tywell does the UV, of shiny UV torture on it, stands out. I like that. Reds, I do like black in dark water, and that's just, that's trout-wise as well, because a silhouette stands out. Um, if I'm fishing in clear water, I would opt for more natural colours, tans and things like that. The, like the food they're eating, shrimps and, and things like that, then you don't really see that many bright UV pink shrimp swimming around so in clear water i'll try and match that in dirty water i'll try my hardest and change flies up yeah right and what sort of size flies are you looking at using like like from coming from lure fishing you think really small lures but is it small flies too yeah the, uh, this is uh not a touchy one but i talked to a lot of uh fly fishermen who target brim um so like uh, Brent Bowman from Tassie, Lost Fly, and Rivalette Fishing Simon, and they're, they fish in dirty water every now and then, but they're fishing a lot bigger flies than they ever did. And I've gone the other way, and I think it's just due to they're in Tassie and I'm in Vic, we're fishing the different things. So I used to fish a lot of size sixes and things, but I've, I've gone the opposite. In the last three years, I've gone down on hook size. I'd like to fish the smallest fly and the smallest weight I can in the situation I'm fishing. So if I've got heavy tidal movement, I need a heavier fly to cut the water. Otherwise, you just it's a surface fly pretty much. Um, so, so weight-wise, I try, I try to I, 
Basically, I try to fish as light and small as I can, but I change that where I can't, if that makes sense. So if, if I'm fishing shallow sand flats, the yellow thin all black brim, I'll fish an unweighted fly every day of the week. Um, and then if in waterable, when it's not like it is right now, it's pretty much in flood, I'll fish a size 8 to size 10 fly, um, a BMS style, something like that, in various colours, as light as I can. But if there's a bit of wind drift, your boat's moving too fast, or if you're off the bank, the wind's grabbing your line, I'll go heavier just so my fly's in the water longer. But I, personally, I, I'm fishing smaller to brim, catching, I'm catching a lot more bigger brim on smaller flies. Okay. Yeah, right. Um, and that, I think that's a bit of a personal thing, but I like, especially in the shipwreck coast, they're not, there's no prawns, but there's heaps of shrimp and minnows. If you look in the water, they're not massive. They're not like a big woolly bugger sort of size, but they're small. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you can definitely, I think uh, brim fishing, you need to change flies and colours until you get an eat and stick with it or two eats and stick with it. Um, if there's two guys fishing together or, or, or two women, whatever it is, just um, fish different flies until one works and, and then swap up because it's sort of no rules. With you got to just figure out what they want mm-hmm. and day-to-day changes. Yeah. Is it possible to be fishing water that's just devoid of brim though? Or are you pretty confident with your spots? Like if they're there one day, they're going to be there the next? No. Uh, oh, yeah, thing definitely with a shipwreck coast. So say in winter, I think with a lot of fresh water pushing down, and brim don't like fresh water, but they will follow, same as actually first, they'll follow the more salty water down the front. So if I went to Warnable tomorrow and it's nearly in flood, I'd be fishing near the, near the ocean because there's too much fresh um, coming down. Yeah. Um, but, but other than that, I think from, on a, you know, on a good year, Ben River, um, you could, you could fish the rivers and the lakes and the entrances and there'd be brim everywhere. They're all there, but, Spawning time, you know, September through to December around that area, that's when the brim is starting to head up out of the lakes, out of the entrances, into the rivers, looking for that brackish water to start spawning. And you can you can find those schooled up fish before they spawn and, and that, that can become very good fishing. If you've got a good depth centre and stuff, you can find them. Um, but I would be looking for that change in very salty to some fresh water and they'll be sitting on that line. So there's such thing as too salty and there's also such thing as too fresh. I think, yeah. I'm yeah. not a marine biologist, but fishing, <laughs> spending some years on the brim, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, so and tidal movement would have a lot to do with that. So that saltiness and the fresh uh, mix would move around with the tide. So do you just sort of follow that with the tide movement or is an incoming tide or an outgoing tide better? I get asked that question all the time. I don't. For years, I didn't worry about the tide because I fished a lot of big estuaries, Malacuta and things, and it's, um, and sometimes and all the entrances changes. So sometimes they're, they're landlocked. You don't have any tide and you still catch fish. But now that in the last couple of years, we're getting a lot more rain and entrances are open and we've got dirty water, I will definitely follow that line of clean water to dirty water coming in an entrance. But I won't necessarily concentrate on the clear water. I'll cast just into the dirty water as as the tide's coming in, moving up. Um, and the same as going out. Um, I do like ebb tides, but I've, I've not spent a lot of... I, there's too much to think about. If you start thinking about barometers and tide, you've just got to get out there and go fishing. But mm-hmm. if you had that incoming tide with dirty water, I would sit on that. I call it a scum line. It's quite foamy, and it looks yuck. Um, but all the fish are sitting in that because I think food's coming in and food's going out. It gets locked in a line, and I think the the brim move up and down that line. So if you are in a position to from the bank or in a boat to fish that, um, you're, you're going to catch more fish in that line. I probably had uh, my best uh, brim fishing in that uh, scenario that you're talking about, a lot of dirty water going down the estuary. And yep. um, then the blue water started to push through, forming that foam line. You could actually see bait fish jumping in the foam line and, you know, birds feeding and the broom were there. They were right, uh, not in the blue water, but just off it. Kyle. So that, that we, was, were, was you very, were you with Philip? Were you with Philip? Yes, yeah, I think we, 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 we talked talk yep. to you about uh, that particular. That was extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, he, uh, he talked about that story a bit. I, I think that... I'll try not to name the system. Um, 
uh, of his <laughs> system at the, at, at the same time. And I've seen the locals yeah. and the, the, the clean water's pushing upriver and the dirt, pushing the dirty water upriver and the locals who live there, and they could be bait fishermen or lure fishermen as well. But you literally, because it happens quite quickly, but you literally see them running upriver, chasing it. Yeah, they do. Because that's where the, the yeah the brim of, <laughs> the brim of following that up. Yep. And if you didn't chase it, and and personally I didn't chase it, I caught nothing. Mm. And the uh, the guys who did chase it, they came back an hour later and cleaned up. Yeah, we we sort of worked that out ourselves because we thought, oh great, you know the water's super clean, we're catching fish, and then they stop. And uh, yeah. you're right, they're, they're following the dirty water upstream, being pushed up by the salt water. So mm. it's quite extraordinary. But, uh, yeah, and I, I'm not. Yeah, not sure why, but food must be in it. I suppose they can see, follow the clear water, they can mm. see a bit better. I'm not sure why, but it definitely does work. If you do see that, like Max is saying, go there, cover it, go for a jog if you can. Yeah, and, and conversely, I don't want to give you the wrong impression, you will catch them in, in clean water. So it's not that scenario yeah. doesn't apply in every single mm-hmm. instance. But uh, often, yeah. uh, go on. Sorry, Max. In in that, because like, I think we're talking about the same system, this is where Philip talks about he needs his fly on the bottom. Have you found that same question for you? Do you like your fly being on the bottom, Max? Well, look, I do. And I suppose I've done a lot of my fishing with Philip and, and a little bit with Muzz. Um, and sort of this conversation today has, has got me thinking about I oh, should be fishing some of the deeper water in those rocky sections where you'd lose your fly if you're fishing the bottom, I should actually be yeah. fishing it like uh, like you were saying, like lure fishermen do, where they let it sink. So I'll be employing that and fishing the water column a little bit more carefully um, in the future. But generally speaking, yeah. if I'm not on the bottom, I'm not catching fish. But perhaps I'm not fishing that water column with uh, often enough with intent or confidence, but I'll certainly be doing that. There's a few spots that I, I'm now busting to go and try do that yeah so okay. I, oh sorry carl you go sorry i, I a lot of my look my uh school friends i uh they went to school with they're, they're lure fishermen so they hate me getting in the boat because i'm waving a wand around they always tell me to put it down but I, I watch them catch a lot of a lot of brim fishing edges but they're using diving lures but shallow divers so like i suppose i'm sort of half making this up because i don't know but go down 800 mil not even but they'll be midway back to the boat. They're still catching brim. So the brim, either they're following it out or they see it, much like a trout rising for a dry fly. They see it and they come up and eat it. They want it. So I think, yeah, I, I want to say the closer your fly is to the bottom, the better, but not on the bottom. And if you don't have some of those flies, you forgot to tie them, you, you left your box at home, you know, an unweighted McGee will do it, unless there's too much tidal movement and you're just skating the surface. Yeah, that's the thing. Tidal movement is, is important. Often, as you say, the last few years, uh, the estuaries have been open and um, that's why we're using, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sinking lines and heavier, heavier, heavier flies to get down. Uh, but uh, in more, if the systems are closed or, you know, sort of uh, on slack tide, I suppose, um, yeah. you know, we can employ slightly different, um, different tactics and use smaller flies, lighter, lighter equipment. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, so is that the go? Say you don't have any tidal movement and the estuaries are closed up. Is that what you're going for? Lighter flies of maybe a floating line? Yeah. Um, I get in trouble all the time for saying this. I don't like using sinking lines because I hate casting them. There's nothing else to it. If I guided more on them, I would keep all sorts of lines because I'd be in a, in a numbers game to catch more fish. I hate casting sinking lines, so I don't use them. I've started using sinking tip lines, um, and, I, and I'll keep a floating and a sink tip on me because sometimes you need it. Um, but yeah, if no no tidal movement, um, I'd, I'd opt straight away for a service fly off the bank because I love it. But uh, let's I'll, I'll say the Fitzroy, actually it's a yumbuck, yumbuck. I fished the yumbuck years ago. I, worked, I lived in Warrnambool for a year. I was fishing the young buck a bit, and I was fishing lighter tippet, which doesn't matter what. You know, we'll get to that in a bit, but long leaders, floating line, my trout gear, but I, I was fishing key-style flies, like a, like a tarpon fly, but small, so it actually has hackles, so it sinks very slowly, and I was able to fish sand flats in front of me that would have been three, four foot deep, but a very slow sink and a couple of twitches, much like a stun minnow or something, 
And I, I felt like if I had a dumbbell, even uh, even bead chain, I'd just be hitting the sand and and uh, not acting like anything they're eating. Like I, I don't see there in any minnows headbutting the sand. So they're just swimming across the top of it. So, yeah, if I didn't have much tidal movement, I would fish light, small, and floating. Yeah, right. If I was fishing, if I was fishing for a flathead, I'd go for a clouser and I'm bouncing off the bottom, but bring a different fish. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And what is uh, an open or a closed system, the ideal sort of system? Sorry, what was that? Is an open estuary or a closed estuary the ideal one to fish? Uh, Oh, yeah, here say, so, uh, open probably, but especially fishing, well, Warrnambool doesn't open very wide until this year, much, but, uh, uh, you know, all the Gippsland rivers that I fish, they, they change, the entrances change all the time, but uh, I, I don't mind closed estuaries because there's not much tidal movement, but I think fresh, that doesn't make any sense, fresh salt water coming in would help turn fish on more, I would have thought. Um, so to answer your question, I don't think it matters. Is it a bit um, of a, a hot bite when they do just newly open? Is that a sort of time when you can go, oh, you know, I, I've heard on Facebook that the, you know, the estuary is open, I've got to get down there? I, I always thought not. I always thought because, say, places like Ben River, it can flood, the town nearly goes underwater, then the entrance opens and the water goes down so quickly it would shut fish off. And I was told this when I was younger, you know, by my dad and other people that couldn't they couldn't catch fish anyway. But now, you know, talking to people like Jimmy Laverty, he loves, he's got a house down there, and he loves that time because all the bait and small fish that were right up in the trees are getting sucked off the flats into the deeper water. The fish are taking advantage of that. So Jimmy was telling me when they open the entrance, the next day is a really good time to fish, Yeah, um, which, which makes a lot of sense. So... But it, can't, it, it does come down to um, if you've got a minute to get out there and go fishing, whether it's closed, open, just open, go fishing. You're not going to catch a fish from the couch. Yeah. So, yeah. What other like weather stuff though? Like overcast days, sunny days. Does it, it doesn't make a, a, a lot of difference? I love a storm. Yeah. Um, uh, my boat that I used to fish out of doesn't love a storm. So places like Ben River chops up pretty quick. So I've, I've nearly sunk it a few times. But <laughs> I was going to say, is it at the bottom of Ben River now? <laughs> yeah, I've seen, I've seen a few boats roll there. And yeah, once I had the, the ex-girlfriend at the bottom of the boat holding two flares because I didn't think he would get back. But, what, what, do you mean, um, what do you mean ex-girlfriend? <laughs> when did, yeah, yeah. When did she that, become that an could, ex-girlfriend at that particular moment? That, <laughs> yeah, just after. Just okay, after, right. but, um, the investigation yeah. continues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and no, that was pretty, pretty wild. But I do, I do really love just before a storm, and then an hour after a storm, and I just that change in weather. You know, termite hatches and things like that. Even if they don't get on the termites, I think it just turns fish on. Something's different. It's warmer, um, then cold, then warm again. I, I really like weather-wise. I really like that, especially for bass and perch. Brim, brim as well um, but yeah if you have like it is it can get hard fishing when you've had you know 12 days of 9 degrees but you'll still catch fish if you get your fly in the water mm. you know Colin on quiet days and you know I think brim are very enigmatic I think you've got it better worked out than, than anyone but uh, you get really quiet patches with brim fishing it can be a little bit heartbreaking uh, and in those, yep. in those instances, I'm praying for something to change. So you can have yes. a perfect blue day, the water's calm, you think, this is fantastic, I'm comfortable, you know, no problem with the wind, the, the tide's perfect, nothing's happening. And it's at that point that I, I pray for the wind to pick up or get a bit of a chop on the water. And that mindset, I mean, often that does change eventually. And, and the fish, whether it's a confidence thing where all of a sudden I'm thinking, I'm now going to catch a fish. But uh, the fish no. do come on when there's that change during those quiet, you know, those quiet periods that I'm talking about. Great point and great thing to say, and I think that's the same maybe with all fishing and definitely mm. with trout as well. But yeah. just those those real a good picnic day is a really crappy fishing day. Mm. Let's be honest. You want that 
I mean, it could be a good picnic day at lunchtime, but we want something to change after that, a storm to roll in, the wind to change direction, like you're saying, Max. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I think weather's definitely an impactor, but I haven't figured it all of it out yet. But, yeah, I, I definitely don't like those still sunny days unless I'm walking a New Zealand stream for trout. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- those periods, though, where maybe they are a bit shut down and not, not feeding so actively, uh, apart from, you know, obviously changing your fly, is there anything you can do? Uh, yeah, change spots. Go, uh, go look at an entrance mouth if you've got one, if you've got access, um, fish and clear water. And I suppose it's probably not there to, to bring it up, but like bycatch, if you can't get a brim, around these areas where you fish. You're going to catch a salmon. You've got a chance in the mulloway, mullet, whiting. There's all these bycatches that are that are so great about fishing these areas. You know, it's like if I go to Moorable fishing for trout, my bycatch is a redfin, which I'm not that stoked about. But fishing for brim, you've got so many bycatches, Taylor, so many bycatches you, you're happy about. So that's a good thing about that. If the brim is shut down, you're always going to catch something else. Oh, a I was just about to say what you just said, Kyle. You can always tie on a little clouser and chase a salmon, walk yep. the banks and look for schools of mullets. Um, uh, look, you know, uh, when it gets a bit boring and you're not catching the odd bream, just get out there and uh, cast further. There's a, l- a lot of life in salt water, isn't there? Oh, there too, is, right? yeah. You know, like in comparison yeah. a to a, a trout lake, you've mm. kind of got options. And that's what makes it exciting. Yeah. yeah. Are we going to have to do an episode on Mulloway? <laughs> 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 yeah, maybe it'll be a very boring podcast. Yeah. No one can catch them. Yeah. It'll be very short. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you catch them? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you've had one on? Have you? Do you think? Have you caught any mulloway? Um, uh, you know, while as a bycatch when you've been um, fishing for broom car? Yes, I have. Oh. I'm not, not, not on, not on fly. So let's not talk about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't count. I've, <laughs> I've been busted yeah, off a couple of times, and I, I just, I still don't know. I still don't know. Yeah, was. a big and stick. I think some of, yeah, <laughs> some of the waters you fish, Matt, too. With you know, with Philip, and I get down there with Philip now too. I'm unsure if there are huge trout as well. You know, true. Some of those big trout get down there, but I've, uh, some of the waters we fish, I've seen big mulloway in there and seen photos of them and things, but yeah, I can't catch them on the floor, that's for sure. I spend, I spend a lot of time on them and then I I, I give up. Um, another thing I wanted to cover was uh, leader construction. So are you using a tapered leader, a level leader, mono or fluoro? Uh, I, yeah, I use my tapered leader and I tie my tippet, much like a trout rig, so let's I try to fish these days. I've changed it. I, I try to fish as long as I can. Some of the brim flies are heavy if you need to get down, so shorten your leader because it's too hard. You'll smash them at your odd tip. Um, tapered leader, and I tie on tip it, and I'll change that to the water quality or, the, or where I'm fishing. So heavier if I'm fishing into logs, obviously. Um, if I'm fishing really clear water on sand flats, I'll use something like 3x, 4x. And uh, hope you don't hook a mulloway or a big yeah. flathead because that's uh, over pretty quickly. But much like our trout fishing or whatever sort of fishing you do, I adapt to the situation I'm in and fish as long as I can just to keep your fly line away from the fish, especially with the yellowfin brim. You should be fishing about a 50-foot leader, in my opinion, not that you can cast it. <laughs> um, New Zealand style. Yeah, New Zealand style, exactly. But uh, Fluorac, I think... In my opinion, you need fluorocarbon because oyster racks, rocks, bit of coral, coral, whatever it is there. resistance. Yes, exactly. You need fluorocarbon and and to sink it. Well, I don't, I don't like my tippet floating. Um, so yeah, fluorocarbon, but but just a yeah, change it, change it to where you're fishing. If if you went fishing the Hopkins River right now, I think you could probably fish one X. Um, Stripping because uh, yeah, surely they're not going to set your tippet, no. um, no. and you've got a high, high chance of catching a fish if you're doing that. Well, maybe. Um, but brim can get finicky. Look at all the competition lure guys; they're fishing what do we call it? Three pound fluorocarbon straight through all that stuff, and they catch a lot of fish. But they're able to bomb a lure five hundred meters. I can't cast a fly that far, um, so I don't think you need to go three pounds. But yeah. As wide as you can in clear water and, and adapt from there. 
Yeah, right. And retrieve styles, so changing them up for different circumstances. Yeah. So I try to, again, nearly the same as trout, I try to fish my fly uh, to what I'm representing. So if I'm a shrimp, I do little tip twitches, you know, then one long, slow draw, allowing for pauses to get it back down if I want it down. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to roly poly a shrimp that much because I've never seen a shrimp going that quick unless it's getting chased. Um, so I, I, I think keeping the fly in front of the fish as long as possible is a good thing without getting snagged. So I, I like, if this makes sense, over noise, over a podcast, but like a tick, tick, pause, tick, tick, pause, and then a long, slow draw, but no rules. That's why I like fly fishing. Change it up. You're not getting a fish. Don't listen to me. Change it up. Um, I guess fishing, fishing slow, it really keeps your fly there in front of them yep. for a long time. And your fly's in the water for longer and, and less time in the air when you're casting. So surely yep. that works in your favour a bit too. Yep, yep. And Brim, I think, you know, not all the water's crystal clear, so you don't want to be stripping the fly away from the fish. So that's where we come into, you know, striking. You don't want to trout strike. We're all going to. Us trout fishermen, I still do it. I hate it. It's annoying. But if with brim, you you might get a bump and you'll have fish, and then you keep 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 stripping like jab jab jab. That's another bump, jab jab, and then you're on. But if you went for that strike, the fly is now fifteen meters away from the fish; he's never going to find it again. Um, so that's why I like the small jabs. But yeah, it, just don't trout strike on the brim, please. <laughs> God, um, it's, uh, it's it's hard not to do sometimes, isn't it? You think, oh, oh my I God, know. I did it again. Mm. Yeah, 70, 70% of the time I do it as well. <laughs> like, Are they you know, pretty hard to hook, Kyle, in general? Uh, yeah, hard mouth. There's yeah. a bit of an argument there. I'm, I'm starting to go more and more over, especially in Millbrook, where I go out, I have to fish uh, barber's hooks or I'll get grounded. But I'm starting <laughs> to think starting to think barber's hooks on brim because you get a bit of uh, hook penetration. Um, with a without the brim, don't really jump out like the trout. So I think if you keep pressure on the fish, uh, if you're fishing well, you won't lose a fish. Um, Do you I'll have a favourite hook there. in a fly when you're tying uh, to achieve that? Yeah, well, I use I've, I've got them laid out in front of me because I'm half prepared. I I like RX because I was getting them off you guys, but like um, they say. SA two fifty shrimp and the and the string. What was the string called? The SA that is a SA two twenty. Yeah, two twenty streamer in various sizes, not too big. But um, I might print the barb a bit. So by the way, if you got one of those in the fly when you're fishing, it's going to be hard to get out. So print your barb a little bit, but still leave a bit of a lump there, just for paranoia. But um, while you're on the hooks, like sizes from. Look, four, four is big for me, so you might need it. Actually, so it should be all over it. Fours, eights, sixes. But like we were talking about earlier, I really like a size 10 now that I've done smaller. And and different weights. So bead chain to dumbbells of different weights to unweight it. Cool. Yeah, right. And like yeah. you said, you still got to adapt that to the sort of water you're fishing, tidal movement, etc. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be fishing a size four shrimp pattern with a three sixteenth dumbbell in two foot of water because you're just either going to knock a fish out or spook <laughs> yeah. three miles. You know. Yeah, um, that's it. Flathead wise, that's fine. Smash it in there, but, but no brim, black brim, especially yellowfin brim. Are, yeah, I tell this story all the time. I was fishing an inlet in between Ben River and Mullacoota, and I don't know how many meters it would have been thirty, forty, fifty meters away, but I saw the yellowfin brim coming. Had my rod set up, was on the front of the boat, and I coughed, and I watched the whole school leave. Spooked <laughs> <laughs> on a cough, and that's just when I started. I nearly stopped fishing for them, to be honest. I'm like, how am I ever going to catch one of these? I've spooked yellowfin brim with my fly line in the air. When They're they start like, putting like, videograms on cigarette packets, it'll be a good little advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'll, I hey. wish, I hope not. Kyle, are you just using your trout gear for this stuff, or what? What are you doing? You know, rod, rod wise. I, I did, I did for years um, because I wasn't made of money. Uh, still not. 
Um, so I used my trout can, just made sure I washed it. Um, you know, places like Warrnambool are probably pretty good, but um, yeah, Ben River and things, they get salty and sandy quick. But but now, um, you know, I'm able to buy some gear. So I, I use um, seal drags now if I can and, uh, and, and rods that can put up with the salt water. And rod weight, um, this is a big one. Like I know, you know, I talk to um, uh, guys, you know, sort of from Bermagui and things like that. Andy Cave and, and and his brother, and they they're fishing like you know two weights to bring and stuff. I don't do that. I try to stick to my five six weight, and I like a ten foot just so I can uh, punch into the wind. So it's probably overkill on a smaller brim to be honest. But I'm catching more fish because I can get my fly there. Oh, those boys catch more fish than me, by the way. But um, but I meant like I, I don't want to struggle in the wind. So yeah, I, I've opted for nine and ten foot rods around five or six weight, and your various lines, however you want to fish it. I like aggressive tapers with big heads, so I can roll out heavier flies if I need to. Do um, you have a favourite line? Yeah. Uh, I, I I reckon the SA line. Um, Infinities have been really good for me in that because I've got that little bit of someone correct me if I'm wrong, a little bit of a bigger head. Um, they're just a nice line. Um, I've, I've recently been using a Rio Elite, which I really like. Um, that's got the same sort of head length on it, and that's a very smooth line. Um, so yeah, I'll tour along that line. And if you, if you need to go into your local shop, maybe the fly fisher, and, and try one out, like the, uh, you know, I think sometimes you can fish in heavier dumbbell eyes up, up line your rod. And they say they've done the whole uh, line and a half weight thing. So I think they're a very good option. To me, that's the biggest consideration, I, I would think, in, in a line weight being chosen for, for brim. Like if I'm casting a, a surface brim fly, they're, they're a bastard to cast even on a six weight. So I don't know, yeah. like if you're fishing a two weight, you just, well, that you're going to miss out on that, that style of fishing. Every day of the week, and, and these guys I talk to um, um, down there, that, you know, from Bermagui and Malakuta way, they're very good fishermen, so they can cast those wind resistant heavy flies on a two way, but not 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 everyone else can. So, opt for a bigger rod, otherwise you'll just be struggling. And then you go and hook that forty seven centimetre brim on a two way. If you don't know what you're doing, you're pretty buggered. They pull a trout backwards. Have you, have you, um, you know, some of those even more aggressive lines in the Infinity? Have you, have you played around much with those, like the Titan taper, the Titan long, or in a floater, or anything like that? Not on brim. I use them on the cod. That's for sure. Yeah, um, and love those lines. But no, I've not. I've actually not on the on the brim, and I, sh- I would like to, especially uh, throwing big estuary perch wise. We're talking about brim, but estuary perch wise, I fish very large poppers, like uh, large mouth bass, American poppers. They still eat them. That'd be a perfect line for that. You'd be able to roll that over in uh, in any circumstance. But I, I personally haven't used them no. Yeah. On on brim or perch. Right. Uh, so someone should and get that to me, please. Um, say you were fishing, going fishing tomorrow. It's a nice, sunny, clear day. No wind, not much wind about. You were pulling up to a estuary on the shipwreck coast down near Warrnambool somewhere. What's the first thing you're going to do? Uh, what, yeah, what time of what time of the morning am I there? What's the best time to be there? Daybreak. That's what sucks about brim fishing. You've got to be there from daybreak to sunset. So I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen's yeah. hours only. No, you don't have to be. But the only reason I'm saying that is because I like that service fishing, and the brim will be the brim will be on the flat in the shallower early morning, later in the afternoon. So that's why I like to get there and fish that. And as soon as the sun gets higher in the sky, I move back off the flats. Because why are they going to be in the shallows when a bird's just going to find them and eat them? Or, or me. <laughs> um, not that I eat them anymore. Um, so, yeah. I, if, I move, if I went down there tomorrow, I would plan to be there early and I would start fishing the flats. I would learn, tomorrow I would launch, probably not tomorrow because it's flooded, if, if it was a, if we didn't have so much rain, I would launch at Tuvalu, which is higher up in the river system, and I would fish the flats and islands with something surface, something unweighted, 
you know, it gets to nine o'clock, the sun's getting higher, I would move back and start fishing sort of that two-metre water mark, which personally I'm still on a floating line, longer leader, just giving it more time to sink down, depending on the wind and tidal movement. And then in the middle of the day, I'm fishing deeper, and then the complete opposite as you get later in the day, I'll go back into the shallows. Is the sounder a pretty good tool on the boat to have? 100%, yeah. Um, and give me more time. Let's do this podcast in 10 years. I'm terrified of electric motors these days. Um, I've seen brim, so still use them, but I've seen brim like a spotlock thing. Three Last year we had brim at uh, 3.4 metres on a sounder. And I put the spot lock on to target these fish with a sinking line, by the way. And as soon as the spot lock turned, I watched the sounder go empty, and that was probably 10 times. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I get I get worried about uh, electric motors and moving around too much. So, like, the whole push-pole idea would be ideal if you could, you know, not let any of us do it. And it might even be illegal in Victoria, by the way, you know, let's stand above your motor. It's hard to but, hold uh, yourself with a push pole and cast a flyer at the same time, though, isn't it? <laughs> that, 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 is the issue, that is the issue I have. I'm still trying to get Scotty X to uh, push me around, but I think it'd last five minutes before he ran out of breath. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, can't do it with Scott. But, no, yeah, it's uh, – and that, that may be me, again, overthinking everything. Um, but – no, I doubt but it, yeah. mate. I've seen it with trout. I've seen it, you know, like yeah. Yeah, the electrics, when they click in and out, there is noise there. And, um, yeah, fish don't tend to like it. I, I, I'm interested in some of these brushless motors that are on the market now to, you know, potentially, yep. uh, you know, make that, that, that problem less, but who knows. And it's, and it's right. And we all look, like all my lure friends laugh at me for using a drogue. They're like, what are you doing? You're not sailing. But, uh, Places like Warnable where you do have long drifts. I mean, every estuary like that. But chuck your drogue in, slow your drift down. Um, like it, and, and, and I get a, get a nice drogue, get a big drogue. Like I, I, I think I wrote in the magazine for Flystring, if you need to drill holes in a bucket and hang it out there. But drogues help a lot. They'll slow your drift down. You'll cover more area. Um, you've got more chance of catching fish in, in a breeze. Um, anchor up if you want to. If you find fish, anchor up, get your fly to the fish. Um, but yeah, they're, they're still fish. They don't want to get caught. You don't go throwing an anchor in there. Don't go moving your electric around too much. Uh, um, kicking the boat, your, your mate dropping his tackle box, try to limit all that sort of stuff. There are some species that can be quite forgiving, but the brim is definitely not one of those fish. No, they're not. Unfortunately, I wish they were sometimes. But yeah, they are. Yeah, they don't want to get caught. Which is, I mean, they might like a plop and things, but yeah, they. they in those sort of early morning scenarios, you imagine it's pretty quiet and still and, and whatnot, and you decide to actually have a go at enticing a surface hit. Are you trying to make that popper or whatever it is that you're using, surface shrimp or whatever, are you trying to splash that down and really ring the dinner bell, or are you going for something more subtle? Not nice. Uh, the nicest cast you can get, then, but then give it movement, like like a like a prawn saying he's different, like a prawn's been hit by what's called a flathead, and he's struggling to get across the surface. So give it attention for sure. Yep. And brim, if, if you haven't seen it, brim, they bear weight from from meters. They want it. Um, I, I, I'm not too big on the slap because you're probably slapping a fly line, or, you know, not like a barrel or a bass. Um, but yeah, I, I like movement in my fly for sure. Yep. Okay. Um, but a big one, actually, while you're there, because we haven't mentioned it, if you have the opportunity and don't stand on stingrays and things like that, get out your boat. So if you do have a boat, or, or if you don't have a boat, walk down flat. But if you are in a position where you can get out a boat and walk flat, mud flat, get out your boat. You're going to spook less fish slowly walking, looking for little drop offs in the sandbars and you know, the dark patches where you can see them, just any little divot, one stick sticking out of the sand, get out and have a walk. It's nice anyway. Everyone likes walking sand yeah. flat. Yeah, yeah, of course. All right. Is there anything else you want to add, Kyle? Because this is an absolute, like, there is so much information here. Well, thank you. Um, I hope some of it makes sense. Um, I don't know. I'll, uh, I don't know. 
get out there and fish. Yeah, I mean, the overall yeah. message well, seems yeah. to be that exactly, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think know, like, Brim are the, one of those things you got to spend hours on, aren't they? Yeah, and I always try to say that, with, you know, with anything I've done or even people I guide and things, don't sit on the couch. Don't wait for the perfect day. You, like I said before, you're not going to catch a fish sitting on the couch. So if it's raining sideways and dirty water, like we're talking about before, just go out there fishing. And, uh, and Brim, you know, as a guide, I should say, you need this, you need that, you need a guide, and I'm talking to people in a fly shop, but, you, you, you know, you, you can use some gear that you want. You may ruin it in the salt water, but don't be daunted because they're a different species. They're still going to eat a fly. To the trout fly fisher, you're already 90% of the way there. You know, add a few flies yep. to the mix and away you go. Nothing's stopping you. Yep, yep, there's nothing stopping you. And they're all over, you know, black brim habit from Shark Bay in Western Australia right round to, well, I suppose, well, you can, you can catch them in week, or I think they're black brim, or they're hockey brim, whatever they are, but they're everywhere. You know, brim, brim are everywhere. They're the bread butter species. Wherever there's some water of some sort in an estuary, you'll find brim. So get out there. Can I say, um, with brim fishing, I mean, I... I've probably been out half a dozen times before I got one and I'd sort of spoken to like you know, the gurus like Muzz and you know, strips through paws, etc. So you do that for hours on end and you think it's not working, I'm not catching a fish. But yep. when you get your first fish using those methods, it all, the penny drops, it all starts making sense and from that point onwards you start catching fish more regularly. So getting that first fish using all these wonderful techniques and methods that we've discussed, persevere when you get that first fish, it'll all make sense and your catch rate will improve 100%, 1,000%. Very good point, Max. It's, it's almost like you need to tell yourself you're not doing anything wrong. The fish are just being funny buggers, so don't give up. Definitely. But, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, you go. No, that, yeah, pretty much said it. Yeah, so if someone wanted to get out with you on the water for a guided day, you've got Fly Fish Brim on Instagram or uh, someone can come into the shop and we can put them in touch with you. Is that all right? Yep, exactly, yep. And don't get too disappointed with my Instagram page because there's one photo on there. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a bloody good shot, though, it's mate. It's a good photo. It's a nice brim. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll throw a few more photos up there after this. But uh, yeah, yeah, just hit me up. And like I said, I'm busy. You know, I'm guiding on the trout so much these days. But the big plan in the future, in the next year or two, will be uh, to fit a lot more of it in. But I'm definitely one of those guys. I hope everyone knows this. Even if I can't take you out, contact me, and I'll point you in the right direction. So, because um, I just like seeing people get out there and catch fish. So don't be afraid just to contact me anyway. You're going to be bombarded, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'll, I'll reply to one of them and get sick of it. No, that, no. All good. All good. Reach out. Yeah. When I get time, I'll get back there. Because I, want, I have a lot of fun doing it. I want everyone else to do as well. No that, worries, Carl. Amazing. We'll, uh, we'll catch you out on the water soon. Carl, you're a bloody champion, mate. We really do appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to us and, and do another podcast episode with us. You know, like um, anyone that's come in contact with you, being guided by you, just loves you. And uh, we certainly do here at The Fly Fisher, mate. And um, so thank you. We, we look forward to, to catching up very soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. See you, Carl. Thanks, Carl. Bye. Cheers. Bye.